drinking this hot water and shit. <laughs> oh, I see. You niggas still worry about me, man. It's a goddamn shame, man. Step it up, nigga. This that ace of space shit. Talking numbers on the jet. Little random flight to Vegas. Touchdown to a check. Picked up around two. Ordered food off the app. 2K for the denim. Sun slight all jet. Taking chances daily, man. You niggas all rap. Got three cell phones still. Never call back. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the eighth episode of In the Database with Nana. I'm your host, Nana, and today we have a jam packed episode. We're going to go over the season review, a preview of this playoffs, and of course, my reaction to Draymond's tweet towards me. So welcome. Golden State season this year has really been very up and down, very 500 kind of like team, except towards the end of the season. We had so much road woes, and we still did, and we ended up with 10 10 road wins and 30 losses. Not something we really want to advertise, but it's just, for a defending champion, that's the worst ever record in a road coming back the following season. However, there's some positives to look over on these road road woes because the last four out of five road games, we did win. Granted, they were not against good teams, but that's irrelevant. Golden State was not losing these road games because they were or the competition was bad or they were they were they couldn't beat these teams. I think a lot of it was mental. And good or bad team, and when they got over that mental herd towards the end of the season is super important because when you build good hab- habits towards the end of the season, it just flows right through the playoffs. And that's something we got to go over. So the season, you know, we've dealt with injuries. I uh, just touched base on the road, but we also dealt with missing a lot of players for just a personal reason, among them being Andrew Wiggins, which we'll get, we will get into soon. For this season, is it a success? I would consider yes. Considering where we were at one point, where we were not sure if we were going to be a top six team and fighting for our playoff hopes, we were able to go seven and two to end the season, um, build some championship DNA and win and look like the best team in the league. And that's some something important to consider, considering Golden State all season long has not looked like the best team in the league. We've looked like a piss poor lottery team. We've we've constantly caused games. I mean, one that I can that to this moment I'm not over is the Utah game when you're up four with like five seconds left and all of a sudden like you lose that game. And it's just unheard of like for a championship team to blow such a game. And I think there was a lot of learning curve and a lot of things, you know, we've said, you know, we kept hearing words from Golden State, we got to improve, we got to improve. And at one point it was just words to us because they kept saying the same thing over and over again. We kept seeing the same thing over and over again until the last 10 games of the season where we really saw that change. And it was the most important 10 games of the season because if we go seven and three, we're in the plan. Like we didn't have a margin of error more than one game. And luckily, you know, some luck went our way because the Clippers and the Lakers had to face each other giving us that one loss. So even if we were able to win out, if Clippers and Lakers didn't have a game against each other, they both had the tiebreaker over us. And with tiebreakers, that's something I really did want to overview with Steve Kerr because moving forward, can we not bench our star players or rest our star players against Western Conference opponents? For instance, the Pelicans game. The two losses against the Pelicans were games were on back-to-backs where we just rested Steph Clay and Draymond 
in that in those instances, I mean, it would be just better if we rest them the first game and play them the second game because the Pelicans game is clearly more important. We need that tiebreaker. Same thing with the Lakers. You know, I mean, granted, we were hurt the last three games we faced the Lakers and we weren't healthy, but I would really appreciate we put in more effort in those games versus the other games in the Eastern Conference where we're resting te- teams or not. Reintroducing Andrew Wiggins right now, like coming back from a personal um, personal reason why he was gone is going to be pretty difficult. A lot of people say, yo, you know, chemistry this, chemistry that. I'm not worried about chemistry when it comes to Andrew Wiggins. Chemistry was never the issue with Andrew Wiggins. Last season, they won a championship when the starting lineup, I think, played maybe five games together. With this team, they have a championship DNA. They know how to turn the switch. If there's a team that is completely a different team come playoff, it's Golden State. As a matter of fact, Steph Clay and Draymond have never lost a playoff series where they played every single game. So no matter who was around them, it doesn't matter. They don't lose. Steve Kerr has never lost a playoff series in the Western Conference. Finals, yes, but in the Western Conference, no. So when you think about those things, you got to understand chemistry is not what you really are looking for when it comes to Andrew Wiggins. What you're looking for when it comes to Andrew Wiggins is, is he game ready? A lot We've heard like, oh, he looks good in practice. I mean, he's been ramping up and getting in shape. That's not the same thing as being game ready. Being game ready is a different ball game. Just to give you guys a little insight, earlier in the season, Andrew Wiggins had an injury where he was gone maybe a week or two or like four games or five games. I don't know, maybe more, maybe less. When he came back, he looked very sluggish. You know, even though he was ramping up and we kept him up the extra precautious time that we didn't have to keep him up. He came back and he was very sluggish and is having a hard time offensively and defensively. And what people don't understand, like returning from injury and returning to basketball is both physical and mental. You can be physically ready to return to the game, which most players, when they're clear, that's what the doctor is checking. Physically ready. You're physically good to go. But there's no there's no check mark for if you're mentally there. Are you mentally back into the game? Are you, are you ready to focus, especially when. Wiggins now has missed the longest time in his entire career. He's not a guy who's injury prone. He's not a guy who missed significant time in his career. This is a new thing for him. So he's back and, you know, just shifting that focus from whatever that was going on at home, just trying to not worry about that, going to film, study, um, come into practice, do all that. And now we're asking him not just to return, but return in the playoffs, at, at not even at home, but on the road. And that's not a familiar territory. Like, that's just a lot for a player to adjust to. He probably will be in minute restriction and he probably will feel out the first few games. But that's something to to look at. And I don't think we should be hard on Wiggins because it is a lot to adjust. And I did say to people, you know, on Twitter and stuff, you know, Wiggins should have should have played the last two games of the season. I mean, he was with the team for the Kings and he was with the team with with, with Portland game. And both of them were on the road and would have been really, really good game runs for him I mean those games were important and the Kings did rest everybody against us so did Portland so I didn't have we weren't losing those games there was no way we were losing to Uber drivers and to just bring him in it would have just been a little feel for the game he could have had and they're both blowouts towards the end we were able to get a little um distance from the Kings towards the end you could have brought him the last five minutes of the game and had him get a run or two into the game and Portland was pretty much a blowout from start to finish so he could have been into the line second half, the entire third quarter and fourth quarter, he could have played without any pressure to really win the game because we have enough of a cushion. And to me, I think that's just a decision coach, you know, Kerr made or the team staff made. I don't know, somebody above above my pay grade. And 
with Steve Kerr, you know, there's a lot of things this season when we're talking about him decision making that really did rub me the wrong way. Among among them were the treatment of Moses Moody during the season and whatever Steve Kerr like Steve Kerr has one guy every year for some weird reason that he loves to play that pisses off the entire fan base. Fan base. We all know the Brad Wannabaker and now we have Anthony Lamb. And with Anthony Lamb, for the love of me, I was like, why? What, what does he do better than Moody? You know, you have the upside of Moody. You got, you got everything you need to develop in the season. And you know Moody is probably going to be part of the rotation come playoff. There is no way Anthony Lamb was going to be in the rotation come playoff time. So why are you exerting so much play time to him when you could get these runs for Moses Moody and we could actually give him something to look forward to, like to work on his game to develop him? And to me, I never really looked at Steve Kerr as a developmental coach because he really that really was not his thing. He's not to this day is not his thing. He's more of like he's more of a he's more of a what I like to call a managing ego kind of coach and develop like developing stars to their potential. But putting in um, Anthony Lamp over Moody all season long is criminal behavior. I mean, you can call him a basketball criminal coach. Why would you do that? I mean, not, I don't know any other coach in the league who would have a lottery pick because Moody is a lottery pick, just chilling on the bench and being crucified for mistakes. I mean, the same thing with Jonathan Kaminga because he punished him all season long. Hey, he's trying to give him tough love. He's trying to do blah. blah. No, that's not how you do it. You know, you, you, glad that Jonathan Kaminga is mentally strong enough to – to go over what Kerr was doing to him to begin the season. But what if he wasn't? What if we had that rookie that mentally wasn't strong enough and Kerr was breaking him down like this? That's not something you do to, 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 to rookies because this is a different generation. This generation a lot more sensitive to the previous generation. This generation a lot more fragile. You got to be able to adjust with the time, Steve. You can't just treat players like they're from the 90s. We're not, we're not in the 90s. It's not the, the, the bad boys piston there we're not playing bully ball these these are a lot more sensitive a lot more like emotional sense players and they are aware of their mental health and it's not their fault their their fault that times have changed and this is how they're raised and you can't fault from them part of being a growing player in this league especially a second year player is making mistakes and these mistakes is about learning because you rather they make the mistakes now the first 20 games of the season versus them making them in a crucial playoff game. But if you're not allowing room and you're putting them in a little bubble and you're making sure they're comfortable, there's no growth. They always tell you there's no growth in the comfort zone. And you just put him right. You let him go out there. Let him get whatever he needs. Like I remember if Jordan Poole was not in getting those little runs in the in the G League and he came in, he wasn't getting those real runs in the that year we weren't really that good he wouldn't be the player he is because he was freely allowed to do whatever he wants because the team wasn't competing. Jonathan Kaminga was brought into a team that was competing as a rookie, and he's a lottery. He's a seventh pick. That's not normal. That's not a normal situation for a lottery player to come in. Same with James White. It's not a normal situation to ask the second overall pick to develop and win a championship in the same year. Like, it doesn't work like that. Like, I mean, I don't know why these two timelines was ever something – they consider was a good idea. It was never a good idea. You can't really develop them and try to win a championship. You got to let them make their mistakes and hope that Steph and Clay and Dre cover the rest. And they needed significant help throughout the season. And we will talk about how much help they really need because I do think Looney 
and Draymond Green are worn out. They are. And Looney played a two games. I know we're clapping to that, but that's a lot on a body. A lot. And when John when Kevon Looney come come playoffs, he's gonna go through so much just as a player that when he's in the playoffs, like his body, you know, like when you play 82 games and you're the cent- you're the only center in the team, and then you're asking Draymond Green with like a I don't know, something is wrong with his wrist. His back has not been good. I mean, there's a lot of factors in it. When you don't get him help and re- adequate rest throughout the season, you're, you're putting yourself in a very sticky situation as an organization, which is why we're asking you a lot of young guys, you know, a lot of G League players getting a lot of minutes. I mean, you don't want to do that. Like, come, like I get the first 40 games of the season, but once the other we get to the other half of the season, you got to play the rotation you're going to play in the playoffs. Make sure you got adequate players players that can actually help you win the championship that can actually be there to provide provide you support so not now you can see hey do i need to get somebody from the buyer market do i need to sign somebody else to help draymond green and 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 kavan looney or is this a go this is the go and we saw towards the end of last year in the playoffs it wasn't a go dre was pretty much done towards then he couldn't really help in that finals and we just relied on Steph Curry's greatness. I mean, we can always rely on that, and that's not something that I'm complaining about. So long as you have Steph Curry on your team, you'll always have a chance to win a championship, and that's just the bottom line. But we don't want to be in a position where we have to hope for God, God-like performance every single night from a player. And speaking of Steph, the thing you were doing with his minutes to end the season, I I don't know what that was about, Steve. I'm not going to lie to you, like, what was the reason? Like pulling him out every time he tries to get a rhythm. I think you did cost him that 50, 40, 90 season. Um, he was right there when he just started to yank him out. Like, hey, at the four-minute mark of the first quarter, I'm pulling you out today. But tomorrow I'm pulling out the five-minute mark. The day after, I'm going to let you play the whole 12 minutes. I mean, every game was different. We didn't know when stuff was going out. It wasn't the 12-6, 12-6. I mean, we did want you to increase the minutes in the fourth quarter. But we didn't. We wanted to, his minutes to be steady and come at, at a bulk of them come at the same exact time because he's a shooter and shooters need that rhythm. They need, you know, they need to be in rhythm. They need to stay in rhythm. And when they're hot and they're firing all cylinder and you pulling them, pulling him out of the game. Guess what, Steve? You're you're doing the other team a favor. Oh, well, Steph is hot. We don't have to call timeout, Steve. It's time for him to be rotated out of the lineup. Oh, great. And. At times, you know, we call you on the timeline on Twitter. I don't know if you keep track, Steve. We call you the true Steph Curry stopper. You are the true Steph Curry stopper. You know, like we think Steph would have been scored a bunch of 60s in the game before you benched him. You, we believe if you you just let him run the offense towards him instead of letting Draymond be traffic cop like 80% of the game, we wouldn't be ha- we wouldn't be in like a dogfight in every game, even against bad teams because we continue to do these bad behaviors. Like, why? Let me – you got to be able to have – you can't play three-on-five on offense every game, hope to outscore every team. And then also, in return, you're not playing great defense this year, so you're really not getting away with it. People used to be like, why is Golden State around 500, two games below 500, one game above 500? We've just been running on that 500 mark, and this is why. We just had odd behaviors all season long, and as Warrior fans, we've just been constantly frustrated, especially heading into the playoffs. And – the things we got to look forward to coming to the playoffs. Like, yes, we fixed a lot of these mistakes going towards the end of the season. And I like that. I like that. Good, good habits, good behaviors, head to the postseason. We got nothing to worry about. And hopefully we have nothing to worry about, especially with this King, King series. And now for being a Golden State member and like 
we're always on the timeline on Twitter, you know, being hyperbolic, tweeting things. And, you know, we're like, oh, we back, we back. And a lot of times people are like, yo, this is just Twitter. It's not, it's not real life. But Twitter really does enhance the way you watch the game of basketball. It's different. Like, I, I don't think I can watch a game of basketball without being on Twitter. That community over there makes NBA twice as entertaining, entertaining as it is just watching it alone over there. And speaking of Twitter, you know, I, I do want to touch on Kevin Durant's behaviors and Golden State <laughs> Warrior fans. Odd behavior. KD, you know, has started this new thing where he starts keeping track of Golden State Warrior fans. Like not another fan base. He's not he's not he's not consumed by his own fan base. You know, his own fan base be mad at him. Why are you not following me, Kevin? Kevin, like Kevin does not like positivity. Kevin's brain just works with negativity. He likes, he's attracted to negativity. He's just so consumed. You can be a fan making a million pages about Kevin Durant and his greatness. You're irrelevant to him in his eyes. He doesn't want your validation. He wants the Golden State Warriors and their fan base and Steph Curry fans validation for some odd reason. And I don't know why for a guy with his, the guy in his position, who is a millionaire, probably the, one of the best players to ever touch the court or play the game of basketball, is worried about a guy who probably lives in his mom's basement's opinion. And I don't know, you know, and now he's out here following Golden State Warrior fans. He's putting them in group chats where he's discussing with them why he's this and why he's that. And I'm like, bro, are you? And it reminds me of what he did a few years back when he started hiring all these LeBron fans to his book. Like, he, like we wouldn't notice suddenly why this LeBron or KD hater is a KD fan. Like, bro, like, did something happen? Like, you you got all these guys, you know, on your payroll right now. You know, the Eddie Gonzalez of the world. Like, I don't really want to name drop too many of them, but we know what you did. You just had to live in that era to see that switch in in Twitter. Like, this guy was known for being a Kevin Durant hater, and suddenly. He's not. And I also see the switch in Golden State fans, too. Don't don't get me wrong. After we won the championship last year, I mean, a good majority of them were talking about, why can't we get KD back on the team? We need KD back on the team. I'm talking about fresh out of a championship. Like You should be literally running victory laps as a fan base. You should be talking about, we don't need nobody. We just we just murked the whole NBA. And you talking about, give me KD, the guy that just got swept. Give me that guy. I want him. I want him on my team. I want him back. And 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 I know that has to do with KD being in the ears of Golden State fans because because he's a superstar. He's a celebrity. And if a celebrity is in your ear, no matter where you think you stand in the fan base, like, hey, you know, not everybody's built like Nana, who's going to be like, nah, bro, like, I don't need that right now. He's over here like, yeah, you know, vouch for me, vouch for me, vouch for me. And I'm like, what's going on? You know, like, he's got Warrior fans in his ears now. He knows everything that's going on on the timeline. He knows everything – that's in Golden State Warrior, like, media. And the craziest part is his fans are starting to notice. Like, all you see under his comments is, like, you really, bro? You're doing this? like, And he's, I don't know what it is with that because I'm, like, it's just sad. You know, like, brother, come on. You know, like, you, you don't need this validation from Golden State Warrior fans. You really don't. Like, you are who you are. And he's active on Twitter. This is playoffs. And now he's on his third, fourth team. I lost count by now. And... He's he's got so much to he thinks he needs to prove up. To me, you're already a champion. I mean, once you're a champion, finals MVP, a league's MVP, everything else you do is a bonus. Except in KD's eyes or heart, whatever you like to call her brain, he's he puts the pressure on himself. You know, like he's out here, you would think he's running the CIA of NBA Twitter. 
he's creating groups. He's creating like, yo, let me infiltrate this. I need to have my jersey still up there. Like, why does it, it is? I think in KD's mind, it doesn't make sense. Why is Steph Curry the number one selling jersey in the league when the brother has not left the team for 14 years? He's been on the same. Who keeps buying his jersey? Me. I, I, I got like 30 of them. Me. We. Because, you know, when loyalty buys you a lot. When people love you, when people respect you, when you have shown them a lot and you're just, you're just hard to hate. It's easy to hate Kevin Durant. Like, he makes it so easy to hate on him. And when you do that, it's like, yeah, nobody really wants to represent you. Like, because if I buy a jersey today and it says Phoenix Suns, I'm pretty sure I'm not going to see that jersey <laughs> you on my team in the next year or two. So why would I buy a Phoenix Suns jersey or a Brooklyn Net jersey or OKC jersey or a Golden State jersey? And you can't say he was in a bad situation because he was in a great situation in Golden State. What reason did he have to leave? Because what? A couple of beat writers said that KD wasn't important because a guy in his computer said, oh, KD's not all that because Sam and Andy wanted to keep you out. Let years had agendas and propagandas. You really like that's what got you out in Brooklyn. And then all of a sudden in Brooklyn, it's the fake New York, Harden this and Harden that. Harden fans get you. Kyrie's fans get you. Kyrie, you know, running his agenda. I do love Kyrie, by the way. So this, I'm going to keep Kyrie at this. But like, Whatever, like, it was. Now you're, like, middle of the season in a four-year contract as a superstar in his prime. Yeah, I want to be traded to the Phoenix Suns. And, you know, when inevitably something bad happens in Phoenix, we wish it will. What, what's next, Kevin? Where are we hopping next? Like, yeah, uh, where are we jumping next? Because the only guaranteed you had that you created a chance for you to win a championship was Golden State. And you really let guys like Sam and Andy and Twitter fans and other trolls kick you out. And, and, and what you thought would end a dynasty, but you're really forgetting you can't end a dynasty when it's run by Steph Curry. Steph Curry ends the dynasty. It starts and begins with Steph Curry. They were a dynasty before you got there. They're a dynasty after you got there. They won a championship before you got there. They won a championship with you, and they clearly won a championship after you. And they're, and they're still the most feared team in the league. You know, you look at all the weather right now of the NBA right now and other fan bases. I, I dip and dab in there. And fans, like of other fan bases would be like, yeah, Golden State is who I'm worried about. Shouldn't it be Phoenix Suns? I mean, the most talented team is Phoenix Suns. But why is everybody so worried about Golden State? Golden State? They don't want to say it, but I'll say it. Because 30, Wardell Stephen Curry, that guy. Like, at one, you don't know what you can expect. You know what you can expect Golden State, but you know – but you don't know what you can expect with Kevin Durant. You don't know what kind of Kevin Durant getting. We know he's talented. We know he's one of the best ever dribble of basketball. But we're not sure how much of a winner he is by himself. That we're not sure about that, you know. And even with if he does hypothetically win with the Phoenix Suns, we're still not sure because that's another loaded team. Like, can he really be a bus driver, or he just rides along the bus? And I think he's just some people are meant to drive, some some people are meant to ride, and KD's just a rider. And there's nothing wrong with that, except Katie's one of the top 10 players of all time. There's a lot wrong with that. You got to be the driver. You got to control your destiny. You got to have the league fear you. Nobody fears you, really. Like, I'm coming in. We fear you and whatever you go through. And and that's just it. So you being on Twitter and and just trying to gain all these um, approvals from all these Golden State Warrior fans is very odd, especially being in a group chat. Like, brother, understand your worth. Understand where you stand here. Leave these guys who live in their mama's basement, who li live check by check alone. Leave them alone. Like, you don't need their approval. And you don't need me to tell you what you need because you know that. You know what you need. And that's on you.
And the same with like Twitter, like people go on there to troll and go on there to get agendas, propaganda. When you ask me, why do I use Twitter? I'll give you five different reasons. Sometimes I go in there to generally just watch the game and react. Sometimes I go there to have my agendas go. You know, I have propagandas I got to get through. Sometimes I go there to protect Steph Curry's legacy. Not that Steph needs me to protect his legacy, but I just feel the need that I need to do as an unofficial member of Unanimous Corporation. And then you got sometimes when I'm there to be hyperbolic and sometimes, yes, I'm there to be a hater. That's part of being a fan. I got to hate. When you're when you so good, sometimes you, so, the only option left is I got to hate you for being good. And, you know, I know LeBron is great, but I, I'm a hater. I'll hate for no reason. Not because he's a great basketball, not a great basketball player, but because he, he's gone to me in a situation. I'm like, yeah, I'm sick of this guy, bro. Like, he's 38 years old. It's time, brother. It's time, bro. Like, move on. Out here still dunking from the free throw line. I got to hate. There's no other choice left. Either you hate him or you join him. So in between mm-hmm. at a certain point. And speaking of that, like recently I, I had a tweet about Draymond Green. Um, he was saying something about Golden State's um, keys to like beating the, the Sacramento Kings. And one of the key, he said something like, oh, we got to bounce on them early. We got to like, we got to take advantage of them, make them kind of like disable early in the game and like take advantage of their youth and all that stuff. And I quote tweeted that like it wasn't a tweet that Draymond tweeted himself. Somebody else clipped the clip and I I quote tweet the clip and I basically said, oh, wow, Steph got teammates giving out game plans. He really the GOAT. Now, clearly Draymond does not understand Twitter lo- lingual and Twitter sarcasm and Twitter jokes and like how players operate. And if you don't get out, like it's not here for you to be emotional. Dre came back into my comments and commented back very emotional. All around called me like a third grader knowledge, like bro. Like, I think you're the third grader. Do you not understand the joke? It was clearly a joke. (laughs) And it was and every joke does have some truth to it. I'll give you that. Although I was joking about the statement I made. Per se, I was not joking about not liking why he said it, because he's just out here writing checks he can't cash. He's taunting the Sacramento Kings. Yes, everybody and their mama knows it's obvious what Golden State is going to do to the Sacramento Kings. Yes, they're young. They're going to take try to take the crowd out of the game. They're gonna they're gonna eliminate them getting on runs. They're gonna try to like do all this. Obviously, Draymond Green did not give X's and O's of the game. He didn't say, "Yeah, we're gonna put Sabonis in high pick and roll and take." No, obviously that's like the like the X's and O's of the game plan. But this is also part of a game plan. When you say like, hey, this is our plan. It's our plan to get rid of them. And for me, when I tweeted that, I didn't like Draymond said it because it's different when your opponent says it versus when we already know the obvious. Yes, the Kings are aware of what Golden State are likely going to do. And Mike Brown's going to have them prepare for that. I'm 100% sure because, A, Mike Brown used to be the coach of Golden State. You don't think he knows what Golden State's philosophies against young teams? He really was there last year for the championship run. I'm sure as hell he knows how to, what he's talking about. But... Now it's different because when he goes into that huddle, now he's going to be like, yeah, you see what Draymond said, right? You see what it, they know they're going to do. He's telling us. They know what they're going to do. That's a different kind of fuel. And for, for, for y'all not to understand that, for him not to understand that, that's on you. That's on you, brother. Because 100%, I don't want you to say that. We know what the podcast did to you last season. We know how much of a distraction it is. But Draymond, you don't care because in the end of the day, win or lose, your legacy doesn't get questioned. It don't affect you. Nobody cares about the third guy at the team. Everybody cares about Steph Curry. Everybody cares about the leader of the team. See, when Draymond had that kind of performance in game four, like we talk about you maybe for one day, but it's over. 
Now when we bring up Draymond's entire career, legacy, Hall of Fame career, we're not talking about game four in the NBA Finals. But had that have been Steph Curry, we are. We are addressing that. We are addressing how his mind was not strong enough to handle a bunch of races in Boston. It's that simple. But Steph was, Steph was able to, like, you got Boston super fans like Dave coming on podcast saying, yeah, I hate, I hate Draymond Green. And why do you hate Draymond Green? He's like, because he's weak. We're out here talking shit, and he gets offended. He gets angry. He gets mad. It gets to him. And we're yelling, and, you know, I did the same thing to Steph. And we're like, what did Steph do? Steph came up to me, looked me at me, and be like, I'm him, brother. I'm him. And went out there and hit three threes on us. See, you can't do nothing like You silenced the crowd yourself. See, Steph, he was getting, Steph had people talking about his wife, calling him all types of names. That didn't affect him. He wasn't making podcasts and running victory laps like Draymond Green did. Like, he did something with it. What are you puffing your chest for, bro? You were like 20% productive in that series at the most. And 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 for me, a lot of that is because you let the crowd and the fans get you, which you said you don't let others do, which is a lie. You do. You, you're the same guy that said, I don't let people bait me into a technical. And then through the knowing you had one technical left, threw a ball on the back of the head of Russell Westbrook. Is, is that not baiting? You really got baited into, into getting suspended in a crucial game. Had the Lakers and the Clippers did not face each other towards the end of the season, Golden State would have been in a plane because of a decision you made. You don't throw a ball in the back of somebody's head knowing that's an automatic technical no matter what. If I'm the third grader, why can't you understand that? What does that make you? Because you don't know the rules of basketball? Because anytime you toss the ball any direction, whether you toss it to the ref, at the fan, at a player, it's a tech. And you you at 15 and you get it, knowing the next game it's a suspension. So, like, I don't know what your logic and your progression was, Draymond, but this is a continuous behavior in things you do. And another thing to point out is that you've always been the sole reason. Like every time I make arguments with LeBron fans, because I'm always in different chats and spaces with LeBron fans, KD fans, Russ fans, Harden fans, the one thing they always bring out that's constant with him that I actually don't have something to say back to is you saying all of this, but Steph's teammate even agrees with us. He tells us Steph don't know how to get his own shot to KD got there. Why the heck would you say some shit like that? Why would you say that? How are you going to say the brother who averaged 30 plus points on 50, 40, 90 shooting, unanimous MVP, the first ever in the league, changed the game of basketball, does not know how to get his own buckets? Like, and you thought you did something with that. And then another instance, you, you sat there and you watched Matt Carter insult him, and then you're laughing. You're laughing, and not everybody takes that clip and be like, even Draymond knows Steph don't know how to play defense, which is a lie. You give ammo to all these haters constantly, and then you act blind like you don't know what you're doing. Like, you act like you're clueless. I know you have comments. I know you have something in your brain. I know you don't, I know you don't have two brain cells. You just continue to gaslight fans and gaslight us about situation when it's obvious. Bro, there's a reason why Braun fans, KD fans, love you now. Because you are the supplier of their hate. You give them all the resources they need to hate on Steph Curry because you've made it so easy to hate Steph Curry. 
The more you talk, the more people hate Steph Curry. The more they have ammo. Draymond, 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 this. They don't even need nothing else no more. They don't need stats because Steph has the stats. They don't need to talk about championships no more because Steph has championships. They don't need to talk about MVPs because Steph has MVPs. They don't need to talk about finals MVP because Steph has that too. You know what they got to talk about now? Draymond Green saying Steph don't know how to play defense. Draymond laughing about that situation. They, they, got, they got Draymond talking about Steph can't get his own buckets like KD. Oh, Draymond talking about, oh, we wouldn't win a championship without KD. Brother, you just won a championship without KD. What do you mean you win and win a championship with KD? Like, why are you selling yourself short? And I don't know, what do you need? you want to be best friends with KD now? Because not KD is your new friend. But because all of this is to glaze up LeBron James. Because how do you go from calling LeBron a bitch to becoming his bitch? Literally. And then you're the same guy that used to criticize Nicki Minaj for something so little. Like, hey, uh, why does she keep mentioning LeBron James' name every chance she gets in music? It's not like Nicki's a LeBron fan. She's just saying something. But here you go. I, I, I want somebody to give me this, the statistic of how many times you've mentioned LeBron James in your podcast. I believe there's at least once every episode, if not more. Welcome to the Draymond Green Show. This is the 18th episode. As many seasons LeBron's been in the, in the NBA. Why? Oh, my God, why? Why do you have to be so submissive to LeBron James? It's like you were baptized in his water. I'm confused. And it's, like, it's, it's weird. Like, and, and I don't know if you don't understand. It's very weird what you do like there's there's a there's a there's a difference between a good friend to lebron being even better with him look at Dwayne wade that's how you be a best friend on and off the court look at lebron and cpt that's a that's the banana boat crew look at look at carmelo and they shared a boat in their big big sims six foot seven six footers in the same boat together they're cool but but they're not doing all this weird shit be honest with yourself so being a good friend and like having a brother in the NBA is pretty normal. Like we've seen the relationship happen, even though like it's a lot more buddy buddy system in today's league compared to back in the days. Because players didn't used to be like this close of friends on the court when they're with their like main opponent. But with you, like I don't care if you do that. You could be best friends with LeBron James. You could be his greatest guy. Like it's not like he's he's returning the favor. This is very one sided. It's one sided, like love fest going on for one from one end and it's weird like tone it down especially when we're going to war against this this guy when we talk about you and lebron's relationship it's very one-sided like we all see it whether you want to deny it or not you know the same way you always deny things that are very in front of your face oh nobody gets to me nobody can nobody can bait me into technicals yes lebron and me are friends you guys are the weirdos no we're not it's very common bro you have very you have given this what the term we like to use unrequired love to LeBron James. And I think it's creeping me out. And I think if I was Savannah, LeBron's wife, I would be creeped out too, because stop. Like you don't even talk about your wife the way you talk about LeBron James. This it's not okay. And you know, you can't say it's okay because you yourself, Dre, before you signed with clutch, remember dream on green before clutch. He used to have a problem with when people mentioned, like I mentioned the Nicki Minaj story, because it's an article out on you where Nicki was mentioning LeBron in a song and you were like she doesn't have to mention him every five seconds but look at you now look at the hypocrisy now like it's very loud and you say these things like oh I can't get a reaction out of somebody I, I, I'm in control of my emotions and no you're not because if you're in control of your emotion you wouldn't punch your teammate for no reason like you're not you know you're human you do make mistakes but when you gaslight people and you tell them otherwise that you don't make these mistakes and you and they're like this and that when they correct you, that's on you. Because to me, I know yes, man. I, I'm not like your little buddies. I walk around and let you look like this. Because if you had real friends, 
because I don't think you have real friends, brother. They would tell you, hey, you're starting to look weird. You, you, you're looking like you're glazing a player, bro. There's, there's, a, there's a video of you in the middle of the game. The game is going on, and you go and give dab up LeBron James. Why are you dabbing up the opponent in the middle of the game? And you see Andre Iguodala, your teammate, making that little little gesture, and I'm like, yeah, everybody know it. Even your teammates, like, at this point, it's like a running joke where you're not there. They probably got a group chat without you in there because I don't think they feel safe talking about anything. When they got to face the Lakers, they got to face LeBron James, they probably have to create a different game plan with you not in it because we, we're not even sure if you give the game plan to because your relationship with LeBron is not normal. It's never been normal. It's not, and it's weird. And I'm going to call it out. So going back to this tweet, okay, fight back. Good job, Dream. I, I appreciate it. Thank you for calling me out. It is what it is. I'll take that to the chest. I'm not hurt by it, but it's not the first time I tweeted at you. I've tweeted at you a lot, so much. And out of all the tweets I've tweeted at you, this is the one you chose to reply to because I'm like, yeah, he can't really reply, reply to the other ones because all of them are about you love-festing on LeBron James or disrespecting Steph Curry because you got nothing to say about that one. You said this one, yeah, I'm going to tell her what a game plan really means. No, you're not. No, you're not. And, you, and when Mike Brown and them use this as a field source, and play it over and over again during during their practice runs, and and they come in at your neck, and Sabonis out here making you look like your defensive player of the year should have been revoked. <laughs> you come back and talk to me because you started this mess, and you don't need to add to this mess. You can you can talk crap. You can you you can build up your team. You can say we're doing this, we're doing that, all that. You you can build up LeBron James for all I care. You can say yo, LeBron's my man. That's my dude, you know, blah, blah, blah. You don't have to be in an area where they're disrespecting your mans. That's cool. Nobody asks you to do all that. But nobody's asking you to do all the other extra stuff, too. Nobody asks you to add all the sprinkles on top of the frosting. Nobody do. You don't need to do all that. Because you know why, Draymond? Sprinkles are for winners. And you're really not a winner without Steph Curry. And when you keep disrespecting Steph Curry and all these other things about Steph Curry, you're showing who you are. And you're, in a, you're a free agent this year. And which is really interesting for me that I'm, I'm going to look forward to because the, the way you're speaking the media is that you clearly want to be paid and money is your focus. But if you had a choice, you'll be in Golden State. Hypothetically, if you don't pick up your option this year, this is where my mind is going. So hear me out, guys. I'm going to close the pot of this one. This is where my mind is going. If you don't go, come back to Golden State because of quote unquote money, because you want to be paid. I guarantee you no other team is offering you more money than Golden State. I guarantee you. But you will still leave because it never was about money with you. Put that on the record. It was never about money with you. Because you're the type of guy to sign for a veteran minimum to be a LeBron, LeBron's teammate. You're the type of guy to do that. You're the type of guy to be in the Phoenix Suns next year for $5 million a year. You're the type of guy. And... To me, as great as you were once and as important you are to this team and this dynasty, you're not worth a max. You're 33 years old falling apart right now. I'm not paying you a max right now. You're not max worthy. Yes, you have max moments. You do. Like there are times where I say five minutes at the end of the fourth quarter, you really ball out. You really are the reason we won certain games. But you're not max worthy. You we wouldn't be a dynasty really without you. True. We do need you. We do need you in a championship. Golden State does need you. I'm never gonna deny that. Maybe when I'm hating, but I'm when I'm being serious, right? Like I am right now, I'm not going to deny that. 
But in this current tense of your career, father time is undefeated unless you're a freak athlete with German doctors like your buddy LeBron. Father time is pretty much undefeated. You already look like a shell of yourself, of who you once were. We're not paying you max contract for age 35, because you're going to turn 34 this season, 30, or are you 34 this season, 35, 36, 37. No, not happening. And that's just something we got to look for in the playoffs. Show me something in this playoff. Maybe this playoff can give you a different view and change the, the personality of the season. What's interesting with you, Draymond, is come this postseason, a lot could change with this max contract talk. If Is your back, your body, your health able to play this postseason and give us that Draymond we, we need and to get us a championship? Then maybe, yes, we get you that max. And I don't know if it's even possible with the new CBA, but that's another story for another thing. But if we come to this playoffs and we realize, yes, it is possible, Draymond could turn, flip a switch, and he is that Draymond that we, we've been wanting for so long, and we win a championship this year. Yes, I don't care if you play only 30 games next season in the, in the regular season because now we've proved that the regular season is irrelevant to Golden State now. So long as we can get you 40 games, 50 games the regular season, we'll just ride out the postseason and get in. That's all we need. However, if it comes comes down to no – like, he's not quite there, he, like, towards the end of the season right now. Like, he has no nothing left in the tank. Why are we paying you, brother? Why would we? Well, why would Golden State go through it? Especially when we have a brother, or like, Kaminga on the team who's on the come up, who's going to have to be paid in the next two years. We've got Clay who's going to have to be paid next year. I mean, we have to divide these sources. Like, is the end of the dynasty really going to be because it's a CBA, which I really think it will be? before his injuries are like broken apart is that can we pay anybody and is anybody's ego like okay or like good enough to take a pay cut Wiggins did it this year Looney did it for us this year but will Clay and Draymond do it and that's what it's going to come down to because Steph doesn't have to do it because he did his part to start he did his part he was a unanimous MVP making seven million a year we've already been through that and now is moving forward in the playoffs. So speaking of this playoffs and our prediction for me, and obviously I'll make my bracket later on when the teams are finalized because we really don't know who's in the A spot right now for both sides. I, I have a Golden State beating the Sacramento Kings in five if they want to play serious basketball, maybe even four. And the key is winning game one. The key really is winning game one because you win game one. It's important because – Game two, you can afford to lose and win game two, three, and four. However, you lose game one and you win game three, it's really hard to win three in a row because now you're going to have to win three and four. So if you're going to stay, the smartest thing to do is get steal game one. Steal game one and you're good to go. And the next thing is the next series, which I think will likely be facing the Grizzlies. And that's going to be really, really difficult, especially for Draymond Green. And that's the one I'm going to really look at, whether it's whether you're getting Jaron Jackson or you're getting Anthony Davis in that series. Physical, I mean, Anthony Davis is really not a physical big, which he should be, but he's not. But physical bigs really do intimidate Draymond Green, whether he likes it or not. Like, they just end up having to get whatever they want him. And for him, I really do want to see Memphis just to see if he can, if he can switch that flip if he can really be Draymond Green that we know and respect. And then 
the conference finals, whether we get Denver or, or the Phoenix Suns, which or the Clippers. I mean, if the Clippers can get healthy, I think they could upset the Suns. I'm not going to write them off. Regardless, I, I don't think anybody in the Western Conference is really going to stop Golden State. Only person or team that can stop Golden State is Golden State. It's Golden State themselves. Can they stop beating themselves? And can Draymond be Draymond? The key is our defense. I know our offense will get our bucket. Our leader in our offense will get buckets. I know Steph will lead and command this offense, but can we get stops in our defensive quarterback, which is Draymond? It's on Draymond, and I will say it. Can he lead that team to pay, to play inspiring defense like we did to end the season? Fun fact here, after All-Star break, we were the seventh-ranked defense overall, and that's without our best perimeter defender Wiggins and then if you add GP2 even though it's limited amount of games he's played we're number one in the league number one which tells you yeah Golden State can when they want to thank you everybody that's going to be a wrapper for this episode eight looking forward to the playoffs I will react per series per game every playoffs and this was super important episode and I'm glad we got everything out and we were able to discuss. Thank you for joining me with in the database with Nana signing out your host. You know what I'm saying? I got love for everybody, man. So quit hating on me, man. This shit pointless, man. <laughs>